best book bits podcast brings you tristan wright an australian entrepreneur and business sherpa that teaches people how to escape the rat race of running a system free business he is the business owner of evolve to grow tristan thank you for being on the show thank you very much for having me i'm excited to have a chat today me too i um, look forward to picking your brain now you weren't born a natural born business coach tell me how your story unfolded and how you got into this space Definitely wasn't uh, born as a business coach. So uh, there was lots of trials and tribulations before uh, getting into this space. Um, so I, I started, started out life or professional life as an engineer. So I studied mech engine industrial design and played in that space for a little bit. And uh, I was out riding with a, with a bunch of mates one day, riding my push bike and they said, we need some, we need some new uniforms. And me being me, I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll organize the uniforms for you uh, or for us. And so I went and did that and found there was no suppliers that I really liked in Australia. So I thought, why not go direct to the manufacturers over in China and and uh, and and coordinate it that way? And I did. Got our uniforms direct, found suppliers over in China, got the uniforms over. Uh, they looked great. Everyone put them on. We went for a ride and the shorts were see-through. So, yeah, probably wasn't the best thing because shorts being see-through when you're riding, uh, men, men wearing lycra, yeah, wasn't the best sight. So, but, but what that did was that I, I realized there was an opportunity for selling custom sportswear, uh, custom sportswear in Australia. So in my spare time, I set up my previous business, uh, and we we're going out to selling custom sports clothing to clubs, to institutes of sports, to uh, banks, to automotive companies. And I grew that business into a seven figure business with relative of say relative ease at the time. I didn't necessarily have uh, a lot of uh, hurdles or headaches. And I thought I had a, I ended up getting a really big ego and I was really confident and arrogant. I thought nothing's gonna happen to me. Uh, and this was all in my twenties. And then all of a sudden in a six month period, uh, my wife came to me and said, our marriage is over. And at a very similar time, the Aussie dollar tanked as in, uh, we we're buying our product in us dollars and selling in AU dollars. And when the Aussie dollar tanked, uh, we lost most of our margin. So I probably would have been able to deal with one of those issues. Uh, but having both of those issues at the same time, I had no idea how to deal with my business or my life at the time. So I just stuck my head in the sand and I realized, oh shit. So I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I was 200 grand in debt. Like I, uh, uh, I just ignored those issues and, and was like, oh yeah, they'll go away. Um, but no business was 200 grand in debt and yeah, marriage was over. So I, I had no idea what to do for a, for a good six, six, nine months. I was not in a good space. Yeah. So you had some success and then pretty much got, uh, smacked in the teeth, so to speak. Um, you know, we all go through these challenges, but, uh, it's not about when you fall down, it's about what you do when you get up. So what was the, what was the second half of the, the story after that? What did you end up doing? I was, I was down on the ground for a period of time and one day it was like, I've got two choices. I can 
go and find, I can shut the business down, go and find a day job and take years and years to pay back my debt. Or I can get over myself, get over my ego, get over my arrogance and find other people to help me and guide me and learn from them and rebuild the business and take it to a point where it's profitable again. So I decided to choose the latter because I didn't want to be in debt for, for decades to come. So I, I, with the help of others around me, I was able to rebuild that business uh, to be a profitable business again and to the point where it didn't need me operating in it on a daily basis. So rebuilt the business, got support and guidance from others for it, and eventually got to the point where I was able to sell it off. So you're not, you're not involved in that business anymore? No. So I, uh, yeah, I sold, sold out of that business because I didn't have, by the end of it, I didn't have the passion for it. And if we look back at it um, in hindsight, I actually got out of it at a really good time. I was the, uh, my brand was the first Australian brand to be solely making custom sportswear offshore. There's no other Australian brands at the time that were making custom sportswear 100% offshore. So uh, they, they were making custom sportswear onshore and offshore. Now there is dozens, if not hundreds, in, in that space and the market space has been totally diluted. So uh, the brand's still going around and it's still making money, but I, I don't know how well it's going in comparison to what it was back then because the market is, is so open now. Fast forward to 2016, we have something in common. Uh, I once met a, a lovely girl named Erin as well, and uh, turns out she changed my life, and that's my wife, and been with her for 14 years now. Uh, in 2016, you met a lovely girl named Erin. Tell us how the story unfolded from there, and how your next business uh, came from there as well. Yeah, it's amazing to to know that it, yeah, it was 2016 that that's when it happened uh, when I met Erin. So, uh, so basically, after I started the business, I was. I, I didn't know what to do next. And Erin and I had been been together for a year or so. We went over to 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 Europe for for an extended holiday. And there was a time we're in Croatia, uh, sitting down in Dubrovnik, having a couple of glasses of wine and talking about about my journey and where I'd been, what I enjoyed doing, what I'm good at. And Erin asked the question, "What is it you enjoy? Where, what 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 did you like as a kid?" And it came came to realization that I always loved leading sports teams. I always loved, I was always the captain. I always liked taking people on the journey with me. And then we're like, what are you good at? Or what do you have experience in? And it was, okay, you've got experience in business. You've had the highs and lows in business and you love helping others. Why don't you use your business knowledge and expertise to help others and take them on a journey? It's like, yeah, well, that sort of makes sense. It's a no-brainer. And came, come back from Croatia and we set up uh, Evolve to Grow. And now today, it's helped, Evolve to Grow helps other business owners on their journey to, to hit the top of their, their goals or hit their mountain, climb to the top of their mountain. Yeah, awesome, awesome. What was the first steps in creating Evolve to Grow? So someone's out there wanting to start a, like a personal development business and I've got one myself as well. What's the first steps you did and what was the early stages like and how did you get uh, business and yeah, what were the first steps you did? Yeah, that's a good 
Good question. So, and now I've got to think all the way back then. Uh, it, like in the early days, I was, first of all, I needed to, to upskill myself and make sure I had had uh, edu the, the relevant education. Just because I've got lived experience doesn't mean that I've got the ability to deliver and share that lived experience. So A, I went and, and got relevant education, but then B, the way I needed to get, uh, the way I built market share quickly was, all right, guys, I'm going to uh, give five people free coaching for three months in exchange for a testimonial. I did that. Uh, and one of those five clients are actually still with me today. That's however many years later, seven, eight years later, uh, that one of my clients, uh, business coaching clients are still with me from those early days. So that was literally the, one of the very first steps that I took to grow the business. Uh, where is it at today? So what has uh, Evolve to Grow encompass and what are some of the aspects that the business does? So Evolve to Grow business coaching business uh, with the sole purpose of allowing business owners to grow and scale their business without in needing them in the daily operations. So basically I want a bus um, business owners to be able to make profit uh, from their business while still having time and freedom to choose what they want want to do when they want to do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great objective and uh, yeah, congratulations on all the success uh, you've had so far and, and the success you'll have in the future as well. You talk about a story about Sherpas. Now, I watched uh, a recent documentary on Netflix and I can tell you uh, when you want to climb Mount Everest, a lot of people don't realize, but you have these Sherpas who do it daily like bus drivers, just taking people up and down the mountain. So can you tell me why you talk about Sherpas and what's your experience through there as well in the business world? Yeah, so Sherpas are like they're, they're a family, uh, uh, and and literally when you want to go climb Mount Everest, you go and you find someone from the Sherpa family, and they will guide you to the top of the mountain. You will also have others working as porters to to take your your gear up with you on the top of the mountain. And those Sherpas know the best way, the easiest way to uh, the, the easiest path to climb to the top of Mount Everest. They know they know what on the path where the, the hurdles are uh, or where the holes are in the path and they make sure you don't fall over or fall off the path. So using that terminology, I do the same with with business. I guide, I help, uh, help you as a business owner identify what is your Mount Everest and then I help guide you up the path, the easiest path to get to the top of Mount Everest and make sure you don't fall off. And we bring along we help you find porters, your staff, along the way to help you get to the top of Mount Everest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's a good analogy as well. You can't do everything by yourself. At the end of the day, you need a support team around you. You know, they say your network is your net worth. I've got one poster in my studio and, you know, that, that holds true. So it's, it's, it's not a solo business. There's no you know, Fortune 500 company that with one employee and they're the, they are the company. So all large companies are a, a conglomerate of people. So you have to have the right people around you as well. But as a small business owner or, um, you know, an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, you need to get the right mentors, coaches around you as well, who've been there, done that and can guide you on the path as well. It is a lonely journey. Um, I can tell for myself being an entrepreneur for, for many years, there's, there's moments of, you know, doubt, indecision, where do I go forks in the road, but having a platform where I can 
you know, have great coaches, great authors, and great mentors by my side, I can get that guidance as well. Some of the other things as well, some people think they want to do a business, they start doing the business and realize, you know what, maybe I made the wrong decision and maybe that's not where my happiness pot is and maybe it's not the end or be all and there's there's no such thing as failure if you take a step backwards and pivot to another industry as well. So sometimes it's good to try something and uh, to, to pivot as well. Moving on, you wrote an ebook called Unicorns and Myths, Profits and Freedom Shouldn't Be. Tell me a little bit about the book and, and why you put that little ebook together. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, so many business owners get into, get into business uh, thinking that they, sh- they should be able to have profit, uh, but they get one, two years in, into the business and profits and freedom don't actually occur. So they, a lot of business owners end up don't have, not having profit, not having freedom. And uh, this book is basically there to show you why um, or how that profit and freedom can occur for your business. As we all know, unicorns are myths. Uh, so why should profit and freedom be in the same, same conversation as a unicorn? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people get into the fact they think they're going to start something and we have, you know, that heuristic in our brain that we think it's going to be a success or it's going to be X, Y, and Z. And we don't realize that, you know, it's going to take away a lot of time, a lot of freedom, a lot of money as well. Um, In the first sort of opening chapter, you talk about, you know, people toil away for 46 hours a week to keep it all going, racing against deadlines, you know, covering jobs your team was meant to do it and regularly working through weekends and nights. And, you know, they get burnt out. So what's your sort of first step as a business coach to, you know, where someone's stuck in the mud with a business, they're in a business, they're working long hours, spending a lot of money, not making profits, they're stressed, they're unhealthy. Um, you know, what do you do as a business coach to come in and, and reset their mindset? What do you do? Often um, when I'm talking to, to clients as a, as a business owner, you you get into the business and you end up being stuck in the weeds and you only look at ways to survive today, this week, next week, next month. So you're, you're focusing on, on, uh, very short term goals. So as, and, and not taking the ability to, or not taking the opportunity to take a step back and understand what the impact of your actions that you're doing today have on the, on your future in three months and six months time. So, uh, if we take a step back and, and actually think about why am I doing this? And is this the best action that I'm, that I should be taking? Or is this something that I can park and then allow me to focus on, on something a tiny bit bigger picture that will have a greater impact on the business in, in three or six months time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you wrote somewhere as well that entrepreneurship, it's, it's a team sport and not golf. And I think the first step is, you know, with any business owner, obviously they've got employees as well and they've got a team. It's probably like building the battalion. You, you talk about your approach to team building. How important is it to, you know, round the troops up, get, get people together and actually reset the vision, reset the mission, reset the plan and realize that, as I said, it's not a game of golf, it, it's a team. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, totally. So at, at the end of the day, as a business owner, we can have a vision and a direction that we want to take the business. But if uh, we don't enroll our team in that vision, why are they, 
why are they going to be working wanting to work for you why they're not going to actually understand the benefits of the of what uh, they're not going to understand the benefits them of your vision so as a leader as a business owner we need to to take our team on the journey with us so that so they can actually see the benefit to them and that ends up impacting you as well as them so if you don't have them on on the same page you're just going to end up having a terrible culture. You're not going to achieve your vision, your mission. It's funny, isn't it? We think everything, you know, external to business, you know, families are created with people, friendships are created with people, and people think businesses are just done, you know, solo. It's, it's my way or the highway. And, you know, you have to, any success has got to do with a group of people. So, you know, it's getting around the right people and, um, you know, putting the right, the right team members in place, but also the right mentors as well. So, yeah, it's it's crazy that a lot of people forget about that. And, and, and actually understanding business is built up with people and uh, people have personal lives as well. So we actually need to understand what motivates each individual. Just because something un motivates one person doesn't mean it's going to be the same motivator for the next person. So fully understanding the motivators for your team and why they're actually wanting, why they're actually working will help you, help them to help you achieve your vision. Another thing I struggle with, and a lot of other business owners too, so you, you've got the right team, uh, you're a great person yourself, people pleaser, great leader, manager, everything's hunky-dory, great work environment, but people don't track their business metrics. They don't track their KPIs. Why do business owners don't look at the facts and figures and how important is it to face reality as a if you put your business on a one pager and gave it to someone, the first thing they're going to do is look at the metrics, look at the facts and figures. How important is it for you to actually encourage that to business owners to, to get real with themselves and get real with their business that they've got? Totally. Like, and I think one of the reasons why we don't do this is we're not taught at school uh, how to track and measure. We're not taught business and uh, we're not as a, Coming into life as an adult, a young adult, we, we don't know how to track our finances. We, it's all self-taught. So we, nine times out of 10, we have bad habits tracking our personal finances and then that rolls into, into our business. So unless we're taught and educated that we need to, to, to track metrics, not just financial metrics, but uh, uh, targets for sales, targets for customer delivery unless we're taught that we're not going to do that and we're going to hide behind it because either a it looks ugly to start with or it's uncomfortable so the the sooner we can move past that discomfort and actually track financial metrics sales metrics service delivery metrics the more we're going to learn about our business and what's working and what's not working and the easier it's going to be to fix it yeah, definitely. There's a um, there's a real pushback or a real sort of thought bubble that I've always thought about is, you know, we're ruled by numbers, you know, look around us, you know, we're living, you know, call it economic slavery, people looking at their bank accounts, you know, money, cost, a cost is a lock. People have really mixed up money beliefs as well, so they don't want to deal with it. And the people that don't look at the numbers or don't track the figures, they're the ones, you know, enslaved by the numbers. And then people that are all over the numbers, you know, they're on top of it. But at the end of the day, there's that, there's that balance between making sure that numbers don't rule your life. And we know that money doesn't rule your life. But at the end of the day, if you don't get it under control, it can consume your life and you can be under the thumb of it. So 
that that's the biggest one too. So yeah, you know, you have these, you know, sort of hippie people, that, oh, I, don't, I don't do money, I'm more into this, that, and the other. And they're the ones that have the biggest elephant in the room because they've got money problems and they're very, you know, locked into a certain way and they don't want to look at it just because it's that, that dichotomy of I don't want numbers to rule me, but all at the same time, you need some balance of ruling those particular numbers, especially if you're going to be a business owner, especially if you've got, you know, employee wages that you have to pay, rent that you have to pay, you've got commitments you have to do. And, and that's the big thing about being a, a business owner. Not everyone can do it with those uh, commitments and those people's livelihoods that you, you have in place as well. Um, just just a thought through there. Moving on, you talk about business network. Yeah, you talk about business networking, how not to be cliche in, in the outreach as well. Talk to me about how business networking has changed over the years and some approaches that, you know, how people can network and, and find partners and all that good stuff as well. I've got a love-hate relationship with business networking. So uh, I, I I did a lot of it in, in my early days. Uh, so I, I would go to the business breakfast networking uh and and that I learned out of it, but one of the, probably the biggest thing that I learned out of business net, uh, networking events in the early days is uh, the people that you spend the most time with are the people that uh, you're going to end up being like. So if you spend time with uh, five solopreneurs, you're going to be a solopreneur. If you spend time with five multi-millionaires you're more likely to become a multi-millionaire so uh, if you spend time with people that are networking all the time you're going to spend time networking all the time and you may or may not achieve something off the back of it so uh, this is where my love-hate relationship came with networking is if you spend all your time going to networking events in the morning most of the time these people aren't uh, not all the time, but a lot of them uh, are struggling to make a, a, a good wage. So if you're becoming, uh, if you're learning from these people and you're getting knowledge from these people and building your network with these people, you're going to probably stay at that level. So I learned, uh, and this might be a polarizing opinion, but I learned relatively early on that I need to pick and choose the type of networking events uh, or the way that I to networking. I I agree with that. I'm involved in a networking company myself and we put on events all the time. Uh, I like the aspect of the sociality of it, like going out, having, um, you know, having a uh, meeting up with someone, speaking, you know, sharing stories, listening to other people as well, more for a social aspect. My audience is, or my target audience is, is authors and entrepreneurs as well, but I, I don't go there to make money or to, to do business. And I totally agree with you. A lot of people that go there, you know, are solopreneurs. They don't run successful, you know, big businesses because they wouldn't be there if they did because they, they're so busy as well. So I realized that, you know, my target audience was not there. So I totally understand what you're saying. A lot of people go network, but if you don't have a network and you're not, if you're not doing anything, get around people doing stuff and, you know, just find your niche and find your market as well. So yeah, there's pros and cons of it too. And understanding the purpose of it. Correct. And you don't want to just be on that networking wheel where you're going to, you know, the B&Is every morning and trying to promote your business where you should really be just working on your business instead of keep promoting. So it's that balance through there as well. Um, 
moving on, you talk about productizing your offer as well. How important is it for business owners to, you know, you know, living their project, um, project to project and actually productizing their offers? As a business owner, as bad as this may sound, we want to make our business boring. We want to make our business repetitive uh, and we want to make it predictable. Uh, and the reason we want to do this is because it ensures that we've got a consistent income and it allows us to take a step back from what we do in the business on a daily basis and, and it allows us to not have to be consumed by the business on a day-to-day basis. So to do this, we need to productize our offer. Uh, we need to uh, say, okay, this is what I'm good at. I, I know how to do this easily and I'm going to sell that on mass, so to speak. Now, I hear people saying, I'm a creative that this doesn't work for me. I, everything has to be custom and bespoke. Sure, you can do that as well, but to make sure you feed, uh, feed your family, feed your staff's family, you need to have a consistent baseline that allows you to take a step back from the business. So that means you're not involved in the business and the delivery on a daily basis. So you can pick and choose that creative fun work that is cream on the top. Yeah, absolutely. I've never heard someone say that before. So thank you for, for saying that it made sense. So make your business boring, productizing an offer, making it simple, you know, getting yourself out of the business as well, and just making sure it's predictable as well. So a lot, yeah, I think a lot of people get too overwhelmed with the creative side of it. Oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Just get the fundamentals down, you know. To feed a kid, you need bread, milk, toast, cereal. They, they can live off of bread, milk, and cereal. I can I can attest to having two kids. It's not overcomplicated. You don't need to be fancy with it. They just get the um, you know peanut butter sandwich contains protein, fats, and carbs. True story. You talk about foot-in-the-door offer. Can you explain what a foot-in-the-door offer is and identifying that? For me, often uh, speaking to a lot of my customers, a lot of my clients, and a lot of people in the business world, when they're trying to sell, they say, people people go and sell and try and sell the dream, try and sell uh, the best of the best straight away to someone that they've only just met. So it's like you, you're, going, you're going for a home run straight away. And we all know trying, trying to hit a home run straight away is not the best best bet. We should be going for, for going for first base. So why try and get into a relationship straight away when we should be dating someone first? Sell something that you can build build trust with and prove prove yourself. Allow them to see how good you are. And then once they see they can see that they've built the trust and see how good you are, you can then upsell. So go in with a simple offer that gets your foot in the door, builds a trust, is not a massive time or financial commitment. Then from there, you can upsell your service or offer or product that makes the mo- the main profit. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people get confused and just try to go straight for the sale, but you've got the, you know, the reverse marketing funnel, no like and trust, and then try, buy, repeat and refer. So you've got to get to know first, hey, my name's Tristan, like, no trust. Hey, here's a little offer. Try, buy, 
repeat and, and refer as well. So it's, it's very important for business owners to understand uh, the system in that too. Um, you also talk about, you know, selling with confidence, you know, overcoming the fear of sales. How important is it to for business owners to get great sales, to build great sales teams, but for them to have that confidence as well, to be a great salesperson themselves. How important is it for sales and in businesses and building those systems and templates and processes that help people, you know, sell, you know, offline and off, offline and online as well? Well, it's a, it's a be all and end all of a business. If, if you as a business owner, as a, with a growing business, if you can't sell your product or your service, you can't expect a sales team to, to sell your product or service. So, uh, and a lot, a lot of people outsource, uh, the sales of, uh, of their product or service is one of the first things because they're bad at it and they expect someone else to magically be able to do it. And that, for me, that's probably one of the worst decisions in a small business owner's, uh, uh, growth, growth of their, their business. You should be, uh, improving your sales skills, but, um, often the reason you can't sell is because you don't have confidence in your product and service and who your target market is and the benefit it will provide to them. So if you've got confidence in your product or service and the benefit it will provide to your target client, it will make sales so much easier and you won't need to hire a salesperson. So as a business owner, we forget to uh, make our product or service so clear, so irresistible that it's easy to communicate the benefit to our ideal client. We can't just be out there selling something to anyone. And I think it's about getting clear, getting clear on that as well, and knowing that sales is the end or be all of your business. And if you can't sell your product or services, we don't really have a, a business as well. Um, I've heard you talk about before, you know sell by the chat framework what 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 is that is that the online chat box sell by chat so um a lot of what uh i end up doing with my business development is is having conversations in in facebook and in linkedin with people so uh and uh and rather than going straight to a phone call it's getting to know that person on facebook on linkedin uh, and understanding who they are and understanding their business, then going from the, that to the phone call. So for me, sell by chat is is conversations that you're having in LinkedIn and in Facebook. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I, I see that a lot these days, and you know, it's 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 warming up a lead, but it's getting to know someone on a personal level as well, and and knowing at the start of the conversation if you can help them or not as well. So one of the things I like to do with in my business is tell people exactly what I do and tell them what I don't do. And you know, if I'm um, doing a needs analysis with a client and it, it, it doesn't look like I want to work with these people or it, I think we're on the, the wrong values or wrong intentions, I tell them straight up, I, I don't think this is right uh, for us to, to move forward as well. Another thing with businesses these days, we, there's a lot of talk about, you know, having a remote team and, you know, managing a remote team, whether that be, you know, post-COVID people working from home or having uh, overseas VAs and an overseas team as well. Can you talk about sort of the pain of managing, you know, a remote team? It's interesting because... Uh... In theory, it shouldn't be painful managing a remote team. What it does bring out is um, if we've got a remote team, it brings out our, our lack of communication skills and our lack of systems and processes. So because we're not sitting right next to one another in the office, 
it uh, it shows straight away the gaps that we've got in our business and the weaknesses that we've got in our business. And often they're, they're either poor communication skills or, or poor systems and processes that we can't follow. So um, it allows us to identify straight away where those gaps are and we should be focused on fixing them as opposed to saying it's a challenge of managing a remote team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's important that when you said about those processes as well, um, if you don't have those processes in your personal life, they're definitely going to show up in your business life as well. And it's also being an entrepreneur, knowing that you might not be the greatest person in operations. So hire someone for operations. You might not be the, the greatest person in the chief financial and paying the bills and doing all that. Get someone to do that. You might not be the greatest salesperson. Get someone to do that. Great companies and great, you know, ventures start off by putting the right people in place who have those skill sets that you don't. Focus on what you're great at, whether that be recruitment, managing, leading, visionary, you know, whatever it is. Get other people in place that complements your weaknesses because that's only going to strengthen. I think this ties into the next part, which is, you know, how do entrepreneurs or companies make the leap from being a six-figure business to a seven-figure business and how to upgrade their mindset and where does that shift come in? So as a business coach, I'm sure you have these conversations with clients all the time. What's that shift like from six to seven figures? So the simplest way to look at it is the the tasks that you've done, the mindset that you've had that gets you to, let's say, $600,000 per annum isn't going to, is, and the actions that you've taken aren't going to be the same actions and the same tasks and the same mindset that will get you to a million dollars or $2 million. So we need to identify that or understand that it's a different set of skills um, and a different way of thinking about things that will take us to that next level. So um, often, often a business will accidentally get to a million dollars uh, and the owner will still be stuck doing uh, doing tasks uh, or running the business like that. It was a four or five hundred thousand dollar business. So we, as a, as a business owner, we need to identify that. Hey, I don't need to be doing all of these things straight away. I need to be bringing in subject matter experts. I don't need jack of all trades now. I need to. I've now got got the scale of the business that we can actually have subject matter experts, i.e. an operations person, i.e. A, someone helping with the finances. I, the business owner, should not be doing the bookkeeping anymore, for instance. So that's, that's that mentality of doing the, you know, the $20 hour jobs. Most people can do the $20 an hour jobs. It's just one of those things. Um, if you you got to elevate to that $50 hour jobs, $100 hour jobs. As a business owner, what is your value per hour? Is it $250, $1,000? two and a half thousand dollars i've got friends who charge two and a half thousand dollars an hour for consulting and then here i am charging 250 dollars an hour for for coaching and i'm like wow is it just that change in mindset no it comes down to that subject matter expertise they know their value they know what they teach they know their their small niche and vertical that they're in and people pay good money for their particular knowledge that they have as well and you know they if you're making that kind of money pay someone to do the $20 hour jobs, stop doing it. It's easy to fall back into laziness and procrastination because you're good at it and that perfectionism as well. Um, yeah, just it's it's just that, that, that challenge of changing that mind shift to know your worth and know your value and don't undercut yourself as well. And be prepared to spend the money 
to buy back your time to invest in those higher value activities as well. So sometimes the best things you could do as a business owner is, you know, recruitment, having those conversations, building those systems out too. Um, crazy. You also talk about, and I want I want to know more about this, building a, a second brain for your business using, um, you talk about using a tech stack and, you know, how it's changed how you operate. Can you, yeah, can you, can you touch on that a little bit, building the second brain? Yeah, so so literally, um, all of this is is fa- fancy talk for getting stuff out of your mind and into in, into a uh, a tech stack uh, that allows you. So, for instance, a ClickUp or Asana, using project management systems and automation around that, so you don't actually have to do all the work. You can pull it out of your mind, um, put it in put it into a project management system and allow you or your team to do the work at the correct time. So what actually, if we think about it as a business owner, we've got so much going on in our mind uh, that if we don't actually pull it out of our our head, um, it's taking up all this mental RAM and not allowing us to function at the level that we can. So by pulling it out of our mind, putting it into a project management system, we can then focus, actually be focused on our, our task at hand rather than thinking about all the other 30 things that need to happen yesterday. Yeah, definitely. It's like when um, someone opens up their web browser, you're on a Zoom, they share the screen and they've got 30, 40 web pages open and you can't even read them. They've just got that really small little tabs and you're just thinking to yourself, it's just such overwhelm. If a computer's trying to process so much and if your brain's trying to process so much information, the best thing you could do is close it all down, go back to your goals, go back to your outcomes, the activities that you need to force, write down three of them, find out exactly what the next step is to move the needle forward, and then just, just focus on that. Just focus on the few, not 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 the many. Um, I suffer from this myself. You know, I'm the original ADD. I'm doing a million things at once. I've probably got about six or seven job titles and business cards that I can pull out and say, I do this, I do that. And when I go to events and meet new people, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, where do I start? So I do this, that, and the other. And they're like, how do you manage? And I'm like, not well, like actually not well, but I have the right people around to do those things. So I'm still struggling uh, myself to say no to other people is a yes to me. So I'm trying to win back my days and pull back my time. Um, and as business owners and entrepreneurs, we want to do everything, but we've realized that there's only a small amount of things you can do every day that is going to move the needle forward. And that actually those actions are going to compound next year. If you read back your journals from a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, you realize that you know 50% of things didn't matter and then you read two years, uh, two years back, 60% didn't matter. Read five years back and it realized that 95% of your day did not matter and it was all about maintenance, relationship, health, wealth. Focus on the 5% that in five years time, you look back and say, I'm so glad I took that action today because that compounded into the person, business situation where I'm at now. So I'm big on that. I'm big on the less is more and moving that, that needle very, very small or just turning the knob inch by inch is going to make a massive difference uh, in the future as well. So yeah, huge, huge. So business owners done all this. They've gone through the program. They've gone through the steps, You know, built the team, the systems, six figures, seven figures. When is it the right time or when do you advise people to sell their business? What kind of things come up and how do you navigate those challenges with business owners on to sell the business? Once you've got a business 
that is actually running without your daily input, it may, it may not be necessary to sell the business. So, so for me, I, I work with business owners to get them to a point where it doesn't need them in the business on a day-to-day basis. Once it's at that point, it's often profitable and you don't actually need to sell the business. So it's only, only when, uh, when it's not actually bringing value to you as a person anymore that, for me, that you should be sell- selling the business. So uh, I'm not always the biggest fan of actually selling if, if, it's like, if you're able to run it without your daily input. So, it, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky question, that one. Yeah, no, got it. No, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd ask a question, but it totally makes sense. If if you've got an automated system that's bringing in cash flow and you don't have to do too much for that business, I think the question is, do you either scale that to an eight-figure business or do you start something else and keep that going as a, as a cash flow business as well? What are some of the questions or some of the challenges and problems that you hear often with business owners now in sort of 2023? And what are some of the reoccurring issues that uh, you come across often and you're like, oh, this one again, and it's just a repetitive, repetitive problems and challenges that you hear from business owners. Probably the biggest one is to do with staff and expecting too much of the staff with not enough uh, handover of communication. So uh, being, being let down by your team and often it comes back to the business owner not necessarily communicating their expectations clearly and mentoring or guiding that staff member clearly. So it's, they're, they're complaining about their staff member, but at the end of the day, it's a reflection on the business owner of not actually uh, setting up systems, processes, handovers properly. I'm actually facing those challenges twice in two businesses as well. Um, and you're totally right. Staff problems is a result of communication problems with leadership managers and owners of the business giving clear direction, guidance and, and training as well. Sometimes we think people can read our minds, but we realize that they don't. And the other one is, yeah, um, I've got a couple of friends who've got 60 employees and most of them are female and realizing that maybe they're in the wrong industry, they're making a lot of money and now they're pivoting towards a, a different industry just because of the the staff, the most of the problems that they face is, is staff. Um, and they didn't realize, you know, they've got a business for time, money and freedom, but not to be HR. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's staff is, staff is definitely one of the biggest problems as well. Um, tell us, tell my audience more about where they can sort of find you as well. So you've got the, um, tell us more about Evolve to Grow. You've got the, the Facebook group as well. And, uh, what other business programs and how can people sort of connect with you as well? Yeah, the easiest way to, to find me is just search me uh, on Google, Tristan Wright, and you, or, or type in Evolve to Grow. Website's evolvetogrow.com.au. And from there, you'll find, you'll find all the information about my business. You'll, f- you'll find me all over LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Uh, but my main service is working with B2B service-based business owners in that creative marketing space. So that's, they're the type of people that I uh, like to work with and I get the best results with. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, Tristan, I think we'll put a bookmark in this. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on the Best Book Bits podcast and you know, sharing your story and your expertise and knowledge as well. And yeah, to my audience, follow Tristan, check out his stuff. And if, yeah, you're a B2B, um, B2B sales in the creative marketing space, check out uh, uh, Tristan and uh, he'll be sure to help you out through there as well. So enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we shall speak to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. Legend. Thanks, Tristan.